Do we have a name yet for this thing? <laughs> yeah, I know. I have like slapping backboard. <laughs> slapping glass. <laughs> slapping glass. That's kind of funny. I like that. Let's <laughs> <Those are> roll <laughs> slapping glass. That's good. <laughs> Right, we are joined now by Coach Elliot Steinmetz from Yeshiva. Uh, Coach Steinmetz, thanks so much for coming on and joining uh, Pat and I, our slapping glass uh, Zoom session this afternoon. Thanks for having me. This is uh, this is awesome. I'm really excited. Well, Coach, we're going to talk about uh, a lot of like deep dive stuff with your offense and philosophies and stuff in particular. Um, but uh, just want to congratulate you on a fantastic year you know you guys were in the sweet 16 before things got shut down because of covid you were named um the division three coach of the year so just congratulations on a fantastic season that was cut short unfortunately um but uh, a lot to be proud of for you thank you appreciate it yeah. um okay we want to we want to dive right in to some of your offense mm -hmm. and some of the philosophy and i'm interested to hear how you would describe what type of offense you guys run? So I mean, we're we're running nothing too crazy. Uh, it's a pretty simple motion offense. Um, you know, I think if you uh, would go and and go back and you know YouTube old uh, Indiana Hoosiers basketball when Bobby Knight was coaching, uh, you know Calvert Chaney, uh, you'd probably see a lot of uh, very similar things. You know, there's there's probably a few tweaks here and there in terms of uh, in terms of what we do a little bit different than they do or they did. Um, but it is uh, it is based off of the same concepts that uh, that Coach Knight was running back in Indiana. And so, is, go ahead, Pat. Yeah, um, is it? Well, you say emotion, but it's not like a. I mean, would you say it's more based off of out of the post your offense, or as of like a? I mean, I've watched several clips. I mean, it doesn't seem like it seems like it's more of an emphasis to get on the post rather than a dribble drive sort of motion offense. Right, so we try to stay off the dribble. It's it's definitely much more of a passing game than it is a dribble game. Um, you know, it, it's funny with what we have. We, we can run it as a as a five out. We can run it as a four one and have one guy in the post. We can run it as a, as a three two and have two guys in the post. Um, we'll kind of shift it based on what our personnel is. Okay. Um, we've been lucky over the last two three years where we've had probably two of the best post passers in Division three basketball, um, and that has allowed us to kind of show it in more of a four one three two uh kind of um you know kind of a set to start and then run our motion out of it and yes we we have a major major emphasis on, on getting post touches uh it's one of the things we talk about you know every single practice every game um you know we we have uh we have something that we'll we'll say we want you know three and one or three and two in in terms of post touches and and you know ball reversals where we'll want to make sure we're getting you know two to three ball reversals per possession but we must 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 get one to two Post touches, and you know the uh, efficiency numbers that we've had for our offense have shown that when we do get those post touches, we we really execute at a much much higher level. And I think that that's something that really stands out. Like as as we go through your film and and look at how often you guys throw it into the post, but it doesn't seem so. I guess the question is, when you get a post catch and a post touch. Um, it, it seems like it's a place where you guys sort of then run the offense from out of the post where it's not so much you throw it into the post and he's going to go one-on-one -on -one to try to score, but you throw it to the post to get 
some sort of split action or cutting action on the back side. Is that one of the major emphasis with the post catch? It, it is. We, we feel that, um, you know, the, the attention goes there. It, it's very often what's accomplished if you watch at the D1 level or, or, or you know, a very, very athletic team with a, with a great ball handler, uh, the attention they can, um, you know, bring on themselves with the ball, with a, with a dribble drive or, or some sort of a penetration, we're able to get that with a post-touch. So, you know, we, we, we happen to have an All-American in there the last three years, which, which doesn't hurt us. Um, you know, and, and a kid who's been top three in the conference in scoring and then leaving the conference in assists and rebounds for the last three years. Um, so, you know, the, the ability to throw the ball in there and know that the entire defense is going to kind of shift their focus there, uh, it, it allows us to kind of create around it. Um, it, it doesn't mean that if we were running the, you know, running things off of the wing or running things off of the baseline, we wouldn't be able to accomplish the same things if that's where the attention was drawn. But it happens to be that, you know, uh, we have a kid who had four triple doubles last year who's, who's sitting in the post. And it just, you know, the way we want to run things, we know that if we get the ball into that spot, things are going to open up. Yeah. So uh, I want to, could we start with, like, do you have any rules? Like, do you, do you guys have a set of when this happens, this happens, and when this happened, this happened? If so, what are they? So actually, I brought my notes. <laughs> okay. Good. But yes, we, we, we don't, I wouldn't call them rules. I would call, I would call them principles. Um, you know, one of, one, of the, one of the big things for us uh, is we're, we're very much trusting our guys. Um, you know, it's, it's very much about sitting back and, and allowing them. And if you, if you watch our games, and I, I get sometimes I get criticized for this. Uh, you know, sometimes uh, sometimes I get applauded for it, but most times criticized. I, I sit during our games for the most part. I'm, I'm very very calm, and I and I generally get a chance to kind of. I, I just look at it that I have the best seat in the house, uh, and, and you know, I, I kind of get to watch our guys uh, go out and play and, and execute. And you know, we put we put in our work in in practice for the most part, and you know, try to make sure our guys are prepared. And then you know, with what we're running, we we kind of trust them to go and be ball players. You know, it's. Um, I can't get on the court and, and run this stuff for them. Obviously, they have to go and execute. So you, you're putting the ball in their hands. You want to you know, put them in a position to succeed. But then you have to be comfortable that they're going to be able to kind of take it and go from there. So we, we give them principles to work off of. Um, you know, I would say the, the most important thing for us is, is certainly is, is spacing. Um, you know, we, we want to make sure our guys are somewhere around 15 to 17 feet apart. Um, you know, certainly at the start of the offense and then even throughout. Uh, as they shift around and as they move, we want them to, to maintain that spacing. Um, you know, we, we don't set ball screens. And again, that's not a rule. Um, it has been a principle over the years. We actually took it away last year because we feel, you know, we have, we have, a, we have a six, seven all American, uh, guard who can pretty much score anywhere on the court right now. Um, and we didn't want to take away from him the opportunity, even at the end of the shot clock to have another kid come and set a screen on the ball. It happened, I think twice the entire season and our guys kind of realized that they don't need it um you yeah. know that we're so effective without it that they just they on their own really went away from it even though you know we gave them you know they were begging for it before the season and, uh, and i kept saying we don't we don't need it we're scoring 85 points a game and shooting 52 percent from the field but hey if you want to have an option under the shot clock you know to uh, to get a screen no problem and i think we we actually ran it like two or three times early in the season i think we scored on on both you know both times that we ran it um but i think they naturally just kind of went away from it but in terms of the actual spacing, um, it's, it's extremely key, and, and it, lead, it lends into where our screens get set. 
Um, you know, obviously there's uh, there's down screens, there's back screens, there's cross screens, there's fade screens. You know, there's uh, there's nothing so fundamentally special about the types of screens that we're setting. We just spend a lot more time drilling them than probably most programs do, um, and we also spend a lot more time kind of just working on chemistry. Um, so our basic rules for screening are: if you're if you're dealing with a down screen, then you're then you're screening the man who is below you. Um, if you're dealing with a back screen, then you're, you're screening the man who's outside of you. So we don't ever want our screens, you know, we, we'll, we'll talk in the middle of the game if we feel like things are starting to fall apart a little. One of the things you'll hear one of our coaches yelling is, hey guys, our screens right now are going middle in instead of middle out. Um, if we feel like our guys are starting to bring the screens in towards the middle and screening for guys to come out as opposed to our screens kind of coming out, and allowing guys to use the space that we've created by the basket, you know, for for you know off the ball work. Um, that's that's what a lot of times will lead to the uh, to the congestion. Um, in terms of other principles, you know, we we want guys holding the ball for a two count. Um, you know, now this is something that actually Coach Knight I don't think did. I, I don't I don't think they held for a two count. I don't think they wanted the defense to kind of have a chance to reset and, and and all those things. We look at it as an opportunity for our guys to read the floor. Um, so, you know, our, 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 our passer has a, gets a catch. We want him to hold for a two count. We want our screeners to then set their screens. Obviously our cutters have to read those screens, you know, and they're reading the defender. And, you know, if it's a down, if it's a down screen, they have three or four options in terms of cutting if it's a back screen. They have three or four options in terms of what they want to do, uh, for a cut. And it allows our passer, the two count to kind of read those things. Um, and then we always want to, you know, obviously fill open space. So you know, very often that's the high post. We we always want to make sure we can fill that high post. So if you're if you're one of those, you know, when we when we drill it three on three, there's really never um, you're either you're either a passer or a screener or a cutter, right? So there's never that like empty guy who has nowhere to go. That's why we like once we kind of get it down, we like to go four on four a little bit. Uh, it, it allows us to force one guy to have nothing to do. Um, and in our offense, you can't stand still for more than two two seconds. So if you're that fourth guy and you don't have somebody to screen for and you're not getting a screen to cut and you don't have the ball in your hands as a as a passer, you now have to find somewhere to go. Uh, so we have you know we have obviously options for what our guys who don't have the ball or who have just passed the ball are able to do. And obviously it's you can go screen for somebody, which comes out of the equation in that four on four scenario. You can fill open space by cutting for the high post. You can replace yourself with a V cut um, and just make the defense move. You can shallow cut or you can you can basket cut, but you can't stand still. Um, so you know I think that in general are, are kind of like the main principles, and then obviously you have the little fundamental things, you know, like calling somebody's name out and picking a fist up when you're setting a screen, uh, making sure that your back is parallel to the ball on the down screen, your back is parallel is, uh, is your back is facing the ball on the down screen, your back is facing the basket on a back screen, um, you know, little things like that that. You know, ideally, kids should be learning, obviously, in, in grade school. Uh, but unfortunately, we find that, that most of them don't. Um, but I think those are, are probably the, uh, the main principles. But the one thing we'll talk all year is, is the real kind of philosophy behind it is, um, you know, where, whereas I would say 99% of the country is probably running ball screen offense. Um, and, and, and in that sense, they're kind of bringing the action to the ball. Um, right, they're constantly bringing the man to screen the ball. 
Um, they're dribbling the ball. All those things are bringing action to where the ball is. We're always bringing the ball to the action. So our action is taking, taking place always away from the ball. Um, and then we'll bring the ball to that action as things start to develop. Coach, two, I mean, two, a lot of information there. Two follow-up questions with your spacing. So are you stressing that they get to any spots or that it's just you always maintain the space between your te their, their teammates? It's, it's really about the space between their teammates, uh, between the teammates. Um, now, look, if you have guys who have certain skill sets, you'll want them more often than not flowing into different spots. So if we have, if we have, we happen to have had post guys who can shoot, um, you know, so our, our, our two post guys really are even our, our third who came off the bench, all of them shot 40% from three, uh, or close to it. So we really were able to kind of run it as a, as a five out sort of a system, even though it, it looked a little more like a four one or a three, two, because we had, we had big guards who could all, who all, who all footwork in the post uh, so we could run them through the post and take advantage of mismatches um, and we had bigs who could shoot so we could drag out you know other teams bigs outside um, if we were you know it won't always be that way um, so you know we we will have times where we're going to want our you know our big let's say who can't step out and shoot a three to really be hanging much more around the post you know the post area mid post area high post area and working off of that area and obviously, you know, occasionally drifting out to go screen, but really kind of setting himself in there and, and just functioning within motion within that space that he can be a threat. Um, and the same thing, if we'll have, you know, start to have some smaller guards, you know, we, we're going to probably want them to be a little more perimeter oriented unless they're obviously taking a back cut to the basket. Um, you know, but again, there's, there's a lot of space on the perimeter with which they can use to kind of float around and, and set their screens. Um, it happens to be in, you know, probably one of the reasons we were 29 and one is that we had five, you know, probably eight guys who could really do a little of everything. Um, and that allowed us to kind of just shift guys in and out of spots and not have to say, Hey, you're, you're, you're going to be in this spot. Most of the time, you're going to be looking for this spot. You're going to be running corner. You're going to be running, you know, it, it was really, Hey, wherever you, wherever you go, you know, it, we can kind of start from there. We, we had our, we had our, um, you know, our six, six, uh, forward bringing up the ball half the time and our, and our point guard would go drop into the post because he's six, seven. So, I mean, it was, our, yeah. our biggest our biggest guy in some of our lineups was our was our point guard. So and yeah, that makes sense. And I'm assuming then this will apply to even when you're in transition, just run to your strengths more or less. Yeah. 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 We we apply our motion principles to transition. Um, you know, we do work on kind of running our guards to spots in transition, but you know, once we kind of get into the season, it's 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 really about kind of filling that open spot and where you're gonna be a threat. So yeah, in, in theory, we probably prefer our bigs rim run and our guards, you know, leak corner. But, you know, I got, I got, like I said, my point guard 6'7", he's dunking on everybody. He can go rim run too. Yeah, I imagine that makes you guys more dangerous than yeah. as well and versatile. Yeah, um, as, long as, they, as long as they communicate those things, you know, you know, you can't end up with two guys obviously running to the same spot. Yeah. Um, the other thing you mentioned was the, the two-second on the catch. I mean, obviously, you'll hear a lot other coaches, the zero-second decisions or this 0.5 with. So are you on – I mean, of course, when your players are open, you shoot it. But on any sort of, like, closeout situations, are you still telling them, you know, we, since it's running a motion with the main – like you said, this the action off the ball, are you still emphasizing let's hold the ball, let, let it develop, or is, if you can catch and rip and go? 
we're we're fine, right? If you can catch yeah. and rip and go, and we've re- if we've reversed the ball twice, right? We, we don't want a guy usually catching and ripping off of one one or two passes because yeah. it allows the you know the 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 real beauty of what we're doing with with motion is that we're we always talk about we're we're making help defense disappear, right? especially with the way we shoot the ball. We're making the help defense disappear because by the time we've rotated through and and reversed the ball two times. They've had to go out and in so many times that there's there's just sometimes you'll, you'll and you'll you'll see it if you watch clips. There's times where we just get like a little curl cut and it, it almost looks like we're running practice. Like there's nobody there and it's just a wide open layup and it, it looks easy. Um, and and it it's not, but it, it just it has that appearance because of the fact that you know by design we've kind of drawn out the help defense. Um, so you know for us, it, it, we don't want I. You know, we, we don't want long drives. That's what we call them. We'll call them a long drive. So, you know, one of the issues we had with one of our, with a, one of our star players was as a freshman, he was used to beating everybody off the dribble in high school. And that's great. But in college, somebody's going to sit there and take a charge, mm-hmm. right? And, and somebody's going to be there who's 6'8 and, and might block your shot. Um, you know, and what we found is he'll put the ball on the floor from the top of the key and go. And more often than not, it was a turnover or, or a bad look. Um, and when we got him to kind of come off of that and realize that he could get that same penetration off of a second ball reversal and all he'll need is one dribble to get to the basket or maybe two and there's no help and it becomes a dunk or an easy layup, um, it, it just changes the whole flow of the offense. And and then you can make that decision and rip and go. Um, you know, but if you, if you, you know, and again, we're, we're, we're definitely a transition first team. So obviously in transition, you're not holding for two count. We're looking to get up court. Yeah. We apply our principles. We'll set a quick screen and we'll look for a quick bucket, especially, you know, with our shooters who can pull, um, you know, we have no problem. We, I think we shot like 40% or 41% as a team from three this year. So we had no problem running up court and hitting the guy in an open spot and, and shooting a three, um, you know, without a two count, obviously. But once we're running the offense and we're trying to get the defense to break down, we want to get those two ball reversals in. And in order to do that, we're looking to get that two count. Once that happens, if you have a rip and a go, we're going. Okay. Gotcha. I got a, I got a, a question. Um, some just so much good stuff there. I was trying to write it down. Um, <laughs> but I'm interested in like the who's in charge, like on the floor. Who would be in charge of when to screen for someone else or when you're getting the screen? So I'm a guard. I I'm at the top. I reverse it to a wing. Am I gonna? Am I in charge of setting a, a pin down screen or should I wait for a flare or wh- who has that say um, in any of those actions and or is it just they need to learn to play together and figure it out? So so for the most part, it's a read. So I'll tell you, the, the one principle we try to throw in is if a guy reverses the ball, um, we want to reward him with a back screen. That's the one kind of principle thing. So if we have the ball on the right side of the court and that guy gets the ball and skips it or shoots it across uh, even through the through the top to the left side of the court and we're able to shift the defense, we automatically want to reward that guy with a back screen. Number one, we want to reward our guys for reversing the ball. Number two, the health defense just shifted out and we're probably getting a backdoor cut. Um, so, you know, those, those two things kind of interplay. Other than that, it's a read, and okay. and you know, so so off the pass, our guys have options, and, and it's it's a read. So off the pass, they can obviously go screen away, um, and you know, if they have somewhere to go screen, then great. They can they can inside cut and go and go replace space in, in a shallow corner if it's open space. They can replace themselves and just V cut, and they can obviously cut bucket. 
Um, and we want them to make that decision because we want them to read the floor and do it. Because if we give them a rule, it becomes scoutable. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and to us, one of the one of the key things about the offense is we could talk about it for the next six hours if we want to, and I can give you every single principle we run. It's not. It doesn't become scoutable. It will look different every single time you see it on the floor because we don't know what we're doing until we do it. So how how is an opposing team going to know what we're doing? So it, it is it is a read. It is definitely not a rule. Um, you know, and and, uh, and and I think that's you know by design and uh, and obviously helps us helps us in a very big way. How about the end of shot clock situations or end of games where you need it you need a bucket? Um, do you guys have any sets or do you have anything where you want certain actions to take place to try to get the ball to a certain spot? So we don't really have a lot of um, a lot of set plays. What we've developed over the last two years or three years or so is from watching film of either practice or games and little things that developed out of motion that we liked, we'll pull that film, draw it up and, and use it. So, you know, for example, we have, uh, and, and even that stuff doesn't have rules to it. It can, it can end up different. So we have, we have a little, uh, a little set we run when we want to go to something uh, for a bucket called Cali. Um, it just, it happened one day. Like it just happened in a game. It was part of motion. It was a read that somebody made and it was just such an easy bucket that we kind of wa- watching it on film and went back to it. It was one of my assistant coaches and went back to it. Saw it and he's like, hey, we, we got to find a way to put this in. So we, you know, we showed it to our guys at a film session. We put it in into practice. We started working it and, you know, they started reading off of it in practice, you know, whether the big was going to come all the way through, stop short based on how the defense reads. And now all of a sudden they have, a little set that has like four different options to it, but it's still in the context of motion. Um, and the same thing with another one that we, that we called shooter. We were literally in a practice. This was in the middle of last year. And uh, you know, one of our senior guards had just kind of run a, we, we had, we had our, our best shooter running down to kind of screen for one of our bigs. And it's almost like the, the it's almost like the Steph Curry effect. And, and they run a, so, they run so many things, the warriors off of, just the fact that he's such a great shooter that don't even involve him in the play, but it draws the defense. You know, they have that. We, we ran actually one of their things uh, one time in a big game. Uh, they, they call, I thought what they call it. We, we called it warrior just to name it after them, but it was, they basically used um, clay and Steph as their screeners and everybody kind of jumps the shooter and then they get a little back door. But this had that same effect where our shooter went to screen and everybody kind of froze to look at him. And our other guard, our senior guard, just made a very brilliant curl cut around the screen that was taking place. So it became almost like he used, he used the screen that was happening as his own double screen and got a wide open layup. And we kind of just saw it happen in practice. We stopped practice. We pulled, pulled the film over from the, from the side of practice. We called the guys over and we're like, you see that cut that he just made uh, you know, on, on the iPad? And we showed them and, and like, we're like, we're putting that in. It's called shooter. If you don't get it on the curl, we're going to have the shooter pop out here. We're going to have the big you know, cut to the high post. We used it the rest of the season as, a, as kind of like a little go-to in a, in a big spot. Um, but, you know, end of shot clock, honestly, we, we like, we don't mind getting down to end of shot clock. So there's really not much we'll run at the end of the shot clock other than continuing to run motion. Um, you know, part of what it does for us is, you know, our, our belief is that you can't guard us for 25, for more than 20, 25 seconds anyway. If we're running motion, at some point you're going to break down. So we're having a, you know, trust in that, that we're going to get a shot that we need within those 30 seconds. Great. Yeah, I mean that's something we've noticed that yeah, you, the patience you guys have with the offense is 
really unbelievable. I mean, just the trust that you put into it and yet the defense, it's only natural. They're going to crack or break down Um, with, with the post after you throw it into the post. Okay. Maybe it's a skip pass or not necessarily a direct shot score. What do you stress? Is it then his decision? He stays or if he wants to leave, does he have to set a back screen to exit the post? Is there any sort of not rule you would say, but right. Some principle. So, there's like, like I said, right. There's no, there's no rule. Um, but what we like is our posts. We want them like everybody else to have a two count. If they get a catch and they get rid of the ball. Great. If they don't get a catch, we usually want them to turn and try to go screen. If there's enough, if we're having, if we have two posts, we want them to go and cross screen. If there's no second post, we usually will want them to go and back screen on the other side. Okay. Got it. Um, Coach, going to practice and putting these things in now and putting these principles into place, how do you start building the foundational blocks to eventually, I mean, because if you got, if you watch a game for you guys, you know, the couple games in the NCAA tournament, I mean, you guys are just a machine and you were a machine obviously for most of the year, but um, how about early on? What do you do to start? You mentioned three on three, four on four, but um, where do you go? So you're going to laugh. Um this is the easiest offense you could possibly teach. Okay, so it, it, it seems very, very complicated when you watch it on film, and, and I get that. It's you know, it took a, it took some convincing for me to even want to spend the time to learn it and understand it. And and I and I frankly still am. It's still I, I still learn new things about it every single year. I still feel like I'm understanding it better. Like this conversation we're having now in depth could not have had with you two years ago, and we've been running this for four years. Um, you know, I, I was still trying to understand it myself and, and it was already, we were reaping the benefits of it and, and our guys were kind of in good places to, to succeed, but I still didn't even, you know, I would watch a film and I'd be like, I don't even understand why that worked, um, you know, and why it makes sense. And now I'm starting to get it obviously a little more each year, which is good. Um, it takes us, I would say maybe two, sometimes three practices to put in this offense. That's it. So we go, you know, we start October 15. Um, by, by October 18 or 19, this offense is in and we are done teaching. Um, after that, it is all about reps and film work and chemistry. Um, and you know, it's about the breakdown drills. It's about getting, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll break down into, um, into screening and passing lines and, you know, with no defense and we'll just have, uh, you know, and sometimes no ball and we'll have the screener, you know, properly V cut shift over hold his hand up, call a name out, screen, hold, count out loud, one, two, while he's holding the screen. We'll have the, we'll have the, uh, the cutter read that screen, pretend there's a defender, make either a curl cut, a straight cut, a back cut, a, a fade cut, whatever he's doing, make his cut through, and then after the screener has his two count, he'll then react based on how the cutter ran through. So if the cutter went and, you know, obviously curled, then the screener might fade. If the cutter straight cut to the ball, then the screener will, you know, roll to the basket or, or fade corner or whatever it is. Um, and we'll run that, you know, in, in a little bit of a two on O scenario with a ball, without a ball, we'll run it with two basketballs where both the, you know, basic rule of basketball, who's always open the screener. Uh, we want to make sure that guy's getting a touch, obviously, after he sends a set screen. So we'll run it with two basketballs where we'll do a little two on O with the passer, um, and always, you know, never a coach passing. We always want our players passing. We want them to learn to kind of read what our guys are doing, even in a two on zero scenario. We'll break it into a two, and then we'll break it, bring it up into a kind of a two on two situation where we'll have some defense on there. 
Uh, sometimes we'll go two on one where we'll just have a defender on the cutter. So we're learning to read the screens. Um, and eventually we bring it up, obviously, into the three on three scenario. Uh, we'll keep it on one side of the court. We'll put a passer, again, a, 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 you know, one of the athletes on the other side of the court. We'll you know, have them only work off of one side of the floor of the three on three, but they have to reverse the ball. Um, and they have to hit that guy twice before they're allowed to actually take a shot. Uh, so again, just kind of building that concept, the ball reversal, um, you know, eventually we'll build it into the post touches as well. And then we'll work our way into that kind of four on four. We don't do a ton of five on five. Um, we will, you know, you have to do it at some point, obviously, just to kind of continue to build the chemistry. Uh, but we spend most of our time on it really, you know, in the half court. Um, and what we'll do is we'll, what I like to do is I like to, I like to do our five on five work in motion at the same time that we're doing our transition work. So we'll do, you know, uh, one of the drills I like to do is we'll do a five and oh into five on five. So we'll have our, you know, five guys throw the ball off the backboard, take it, run down court in transition, run a quick motion, uh, you know, run, run a quick motion on, on, the, on the far side, obviously, with no defense, and then have five guys waiting for them on the other side to come back and play defense. So kind of get a rep in on that side, you know, on, on one side with no defense, and then come back and get a rep in with the defense on that side. Okay. But, so how, how much are you guys working with passing then? Because obviously passing out of the post, I mean, how much are you, are you doing drills or how are you teaching your guys to just make a, a correct flare pass or pass with, you know, the outside hand, the right hand, left hand? Yeah, we, we, we start pretty much every practice with it. Um, We'll run like a diamond passing drill, nothing too fancy, but we'll we'll run it a lot, and we'll uh, uh, you know we'll do um, like that star passing drill where you have uh, mm -hmm. you know the, the the guys are set in lines and star, and they kind of follow the ball through, and it hits different spots, and then we'll reverse it, but we'll start throwing in extra basketballs, so we'll force them. They got to yell out names, and all of a sudden, I have video of it. I'll send it to you at some point if I can find it on my on my phone. Um, but we have um, we'll get up to like six or seven basketballs at a time where they're just flying all over the place and these guys are like ducking under the ball and seeing where it's going and holding for a second. Nobody's in that on that side because the line got an even, so the guy dribbles through and goes. And it, it just kind of builds the mentality of, you know, seeing what's going on on the floor, you know, reading where the guy you're passing the ball is, you know, is throwing a bounce pass when the other guy is throwing a, you know, a chest pass to not have two basketballs hitting each other. Um, we'll run that. We'll run it obviously close in within like the three point line. And we'll actually eventually spread it out and run it from, you know, like in a, in a big box uh, um, or in a big star from like half court and in to, you know, kind of build on skip passes and everything else. But we, we definitely drill the passing. Um, you know, I'll be honest, one of the, one of the numbers in terms of stats that we're trying to cut down on over the last couple of years is turnovers. Um, and we've always found that when we, are early in the season turning the ball over we're usually not spending enough time on passing drills mm -hmm. okay coach you you talked about you know at during games you mostly will be you know seated on the bench and you look cool calm and collected um you let you guys make reads and all this and the offense is very much about them kind of controlling the actions but is there anything within the offense that's like a major pet peeve of yours that when you see it happening you just jump up off the bench and you can't stand it yeah, it's, there's a couple of things. So <laughs> the, the, the first one is when we make a couple of shots, right? And you know how it is. Right? You, you make, you make, what tends to happen in this offense is you get some good looks, right? You get some good looks early. And then you, you know, we, have good, we have really good shooters, so they make them. Now all of a sudden you think it's easy. 
So, you know, we go from, you know, let's say five possessions in a row where we're getting great shots and we make four of them. And then all of a sudden the next three possessions were like two passes and a shot or, you know, two passes and a drive. And we'll have to call time out. Hey, guys, was it not easy that we scored 10 points in the first three minutes, you know, on, you know, on, on 85% shooting when we were reversing the ball and hitting the post? And now all of a sudden, because you saw the ball go in a couple of times, you think that you did something so amazing. You don't realize, you know, they're kids. So they don't, as much as they're college kids, they're still kids. They don't, they don't realize sometimes what got them there. And I think the key thing and the strength of this team that we had this year that we're talking about in terms of the, uh, the NCAA tournament was they realized it like halfway through the year, they were mature enough to kind of realize, and you know, look, we had, we had some seniors and we had really good leaders, but they started to realize that when things were easy, they were easy because they were executing the offense as opposed to because they're just good. Um, and what it allowed was that the more they executed, the better they got. Um, and, uh, you know, so, so th that's the first one is sometimes we'll make a few shots early, especially from three point three made threes and I'll turn to an assistant coach and I'll be like, we're going to shoot ourselves into a hole here. Like that's what's going to happen. We're going to shoot ourselves into a hole because, you know, our guys are going to get a little cocky and they're going to start pulling and, and, you know, we're not going to be running our stuff. That's the one, that's one thing. The second thing that starts to happen, this is more of, um, this is not necessarily a kind of shooting your way out of a game. This is, this is just more fundamentally and, and, and natural, I think, within the offense, things start to kind of sag in. And we talked about it a little earlier in terms of you start to lose your spacing. Um, and, and your screens start to kind of either they start to go from like outside in where guys start to screen in instead of screening out or they don't come out high enough. Like we want our guys to always clear. We, we like to use the volleyball line, obviously in the gym that's under the basket. We call it the motion line. So we don't want any action under that line. We want to save that space for backdoor cuts. We want to save that space for dribble penetration. We want to kind of keep the, def you know, the defenders outside of that space. Um, and then use it, you know, for, for cuts. Um, but at the same time, we also have the spacing that we want to have of 15 to 17, which requires that when you set a screen or make a cut, that you recover outside the three-point line, right? We don't want guys to make their cut or, or set a screen and then just kind of turn back into the middle. And then because what happens is you slowly start to kind of uh, constrict the offense into a smaller space. So we emphasize in, in practice making sure that, you know, we'll run like a four-on-o drill where guys have to go screen across. Uh, we get a cutter. The cutter has to then go screen across the opposite side, and then they have to recover. The, 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 the drill doesn't end for that player. They don't go back on the line on the other side until they've recovered outside the three-point line looking for a pass. Um, you know, so we want our guys to always recover outside that three-point line and keep that spacing uh, inside. And what happens over the, you know, over the course of the game very often is, is it starts to kind of constrict a little bit. Um, and guys either start to set screens in or they don't, they don't recover out high enough. And then the screening just gets closer and closer and closer to the middle. And everyone's wondering why there's no space. <laughs> so those, those are probably the two main things we have to kind of deal with in timeouts. Okay. How about defenses that give you the most fits you know I mean obviously you guys didn't have a lot of fits this year um, with such a great season but um, zones switching defenses trapping defenses I mean I'm, I know you guys have seen it all but is there anything in particular that's been the hardest for you guys to kind of figure out um, with this <laughs> offense 
so I think early on, you know, we, we always love to see man-to-man, -man, and I think it's unfortunately for other teams, it's very, very, it's necessary just because of the strength of our shooters over the, over the years. We've had, we've had some really, really good shooters, um, and, and, I, and I guess, uh, you know, unless, unless you're Syracuse, um, you know, your, your zone is not necessarily, uh, you know, designed to take away outside shooting, uh, or at least that's the, that's the common thought. Um, so we, we generally see mostly man-to-man, -man, but we also, we also do thrive on it. Um, we used to struggle with zone a little bit only because I think when these guys were a little bit younger and we were still learning it, myself included, we would struggle to kind of adapt the screening to the zone. Um, and, you know, you get kind of like lost in that high school basketball world of just kind of shifting the ball, making the zone move side to side, but you don't get any kind of penetration. You don't get any kind of screens. When we started to get better at screening the zone, the zone actually became easier to handle than man to man. Um, so, you know, we, we don't have any issue really right now uh, or the last couple of years, I would say, with really either. Um, what's given us a couple, you know, some issues over the last couple of years, I would say, is, is probably some junk defenses. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we've had a couple of teams come out and throw either a box in one or, or a triangle in two. Um, and it, it's not so much the, the fact that it throws us out of our motion as much as it's just kind of the, the change of pace of something that you haven't seen where you kind of have that, you know, a couple of minutes of panic. Um, and, and, and then all of a sudden you're, you're in a game when you aren't, and then things start to, you know, become pressure. Um, so, you know, it, it's, we've seen it over the last couple of years and, and it's caused us trouble for a few possessions here and there. The truth is, I mean, if you, if you ask me, I would love to see a junk defense every day of the week um, because our, our motion by principle would rip it apart. Um, it's, it's more the surprise factor of it that has hurt us than anything else. Uh, but we've over, you know, over the last couple of years, we've learned to really deal with it and our guys have adapted much quicker to it, you know, this year, certainly than, you know, than they did the years before. Um, but I think it's, you know, it's like any, it's like anything else. I think if you have a team that has a good plan defensively and the, and the, and they have good players who can execute that plan, whatever you're running, you're going to struggle at certain points during the game. Um, you know, we were lucky this year in that we didn't have a lot of those games where we struggled. I think, I think we only had a couple of games that were under double digits. Um, you know, but, uh, but those games were, those games were scary. Um, you know, we, 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 uh, we almost lost our semifinal game in, our, in the conference. You know, we, we made a couple of big shots late, um, where we just kind of struggled and fell into a rut and, and the other team got hot and, and, you know, they were running, they were running a little bit of drunk here and there also, and you know, kind of threw us off our game. But, um, you know, if you have, it's really about the maturity level. Like if you have mature guys, they'll adapt to anything in this offense. And, and if yeah. you don't, it doesn't matter what you run. Coach, you, and you brought up, yeah, the maturity level of your guys, do you think, I mean, does this offense, is it better suited for having, you know, guys that have been in the program for three to four years or your junior, senior heavy? I mean, if you're getting a class of, like, if you bring in a big class of freshmen, are you trying to maybe give them a little bit more rules or simplify the offense and try to maybe, so they can maybe pick it up better rather than just releasing them to try to solve it on their own? Or in your experience, you know, with this offense, what have you found? So that's, a, that's actually a very good point. Um, I don't think it has to do with freshman versus senior as much as it had to do with bringing it into the program to start with. Um, so the first, let's say, two years we were running it, I think for all of us, coaches and players, it was like we were freshmen and sophomores running a new offense. As it starts to build, um, as our 
guys who were in it for the first two years became juniors and then this past year seniors, they become coaches on the court. So, you know, one of our best players this year, who's the freshman of the year in the conference, kind of came into it this year and, and, and he just learned it so fast that it didn't matter that he was a freshman because he was out there playing with two seniors, a sophomore who had picked it up right away as a freshman the year before, and a junior who was an All-American who had also picked it up his first year, no problem. It's, it's, to me, it's just about the chemistry and the leadership. Um, it, you can simplify it. You can actually run it, having it simplified for your freshmen and your sophomores, but more complicated for your juniors and your seniors who have been in it. And it naturally still fits because you can turn to you like you know I used to turn to our, our you know our, our rookie of the year this year I, I would literally turn to him beginning of the season he's like a little bit trying to overthink things because he probably came from a high school where they were running you know 35 plays and and doing different things and I said to him look focus on two things screening offensively obviously defensively is yeah. a whole different story we don't like to talk defense anyway but uh, <laughs> offensively I told him focus on two things screen and cut that's all you have to worry about. You don't got to worry about dribbling the ball. You don't have to worry about, you know, uh, going in and, and taking jump shots and, and this and that. You focus on when you're supposed to screen, when you're supposed to cut. And I promise you, the other four guys will make you look great. And they did. And it was, it was just, it, was, it became a very, very simple thing. And then as he kind of got that, it expanded and he kind of was able to do more things. He started to understand when he could dribble penetrate. You know, and he's a big body and he's a strong kid and he's an athlete. So he started to understand when he could take his guy. By the end of the year, we had him in the post. He's, he's 6'1". But he was bullying guys in the post as a freshman by the end of the year. And you'll see it in, in some of the tournament film, actually. You know, we would drop him down there and he started to understand those concepts throughout the course of the year. So it didn't matter that he was a freshman as much as that we had other guys who had been through it. And what will happen now is next year, we have a pretty good freshman class coming in. But we have two All-Americans back. We have the Rookie of the Year back. Um, you know, we have another, you know, another two guys who um, who played major, major minutes. One was a starter. One was uh, was our sixth man off the bench, um, who who are coming back next year. And our freshmen will have very, very simple, you know, introduction into motion. And as the year goes on, they'll have you know these guys to kind of make it a little more complicated, and they'll learn it as they go. So, um, as we're kind of wrapping up here um my kind of finishing question for you you mentioned about in the middle of our talk that you're still learning about the offense you're still trying to find ways to grow um how are you still doing that are there specific coaches or specific tactics that you're watching in the off season that you're trying to implement into your team's overall flow so so yeah so there's two things Num number one um I have, I have a mentor who taught me this offense, who helped me with it, who I speak to pretty much daily. Um, and we'll go through the same way we're going through film and, and talking it through. You know, he'll pick up clips and see things that I just don't see um, and, and kind of show me them and, and go through them with me. And, and uh, you know, we'll, we'll kind of talk them out if, you know, if I agree with him. If I don't agree with him, most of the time I do. Um, but, you know, I, I, you know I, I have a guy, so to speak, who I, who I talk to who, you know, really, uh, you know, understands this offense. He's you know, been around it for, you know, a very, very long time. I think he actually, I'm not mistaken, learned it from Coach Naitos at some point. So, um, you know, the opportunity to kind of have him to turn to and to, and to learn from, um, I think allows me every day to kind of continue to get better at this. Um, and the other thing I do is I, I you know, I watch film. 
Um, you know, I'll go watch teams that are running similar stuff, even if they're not running the same exact thing. Guys who are running similar, you know, like uh, I think Texas Tech is running a, a kind of a motion offense as well. Obviously, in in the NBA, you got the Spurs and the Warriors who, you know, when things were going on, when things were actually, uh, well, now they're back. But, um, yeah. you know, when they were playing, they're running somewhat similar kinds of stuff. And, you know, again, 24-second shot clock lends to different, you know, things that you have to do to get those shots off. But, you know, you can find things within what they're running. Um, you know, I, I had uh, – it, it's kind of about just trying to match – what we have and finding somebody who's running something similar and seeing what they're doing. that's a little bit different that you can, you know, there's two ways to learn. You can learn things to do and you learn things that you don't want to do. Um, and, you know, and both are equally important. So, you know, I think the, you know, I, I've, I've over the years gone back and I'll go on YouTube and just, you know, Google old Calvert Chaney, uh, Bobby Knight games and find old Indiana games and just watch the game and watch what they're running and see where they made a mistake and try to recognize it for myself or see where they did something good and try to recognize it. And not so much to put things in because we kind of have what we're doing. It's to train myself to kind of see it on film um, so that I can then kind of help my players and say, you know, and see things better in the game. And then obviously after the game when I'm watching film so that I can, you know, help my guys to either correct things or, or to, you know, to give them focus on a good focus on things that they're doing right. Awesome. Pat, anything else as we're closing? No, you, you stole my question as well. So that was, yeah, where, where can you think this offense can go or yeah, where would you, but yeah. Coach, anything else you want to add, you know, um, that we didn't talk about any other topics or anything going on with Yeshiva basketball for next year that you just kind of want to leave us with? So, uh, the only, the only thing I'll throw out there is, um, uh, contrary to maybe popular belief, we actually play pretty good defense too. <laughs> but that was, yeah. I mean, no, we it's were funny. so enthralled to your offense, but we did. No, I, I, I get it. And, and our offense is unique and different. And we, we are, you know, we do play man to man defensively like most, you know, like many teams do. And we, we focus a lot on it, but it's, it's funny what I, you know, what I said to a couple of my assistant coaches after the, um, after the first round NCAA game and, and even the second round game as well. Um, you know, it, it gets lost because we were so good offensively. We played our two best games of the year offensively. I mean, there's no doubt. You, you shoot 65% from the field, you can have a, you have a tough time losing games. Um, you know, putting up 102 points in each game, um, you know, so it, it gets lost, the, the fact that we defended those two games so extremely well. Like, we had such a, you know, a game plan in place that, you know, a couple of our assistant coaches who had spent a lot of time on it in terms of film room, you know, put in and, and, and the, they, they just nailed it on the personnel and the other team um, that our guys were just so prepared. We took away, you know, the one team's one team's second score. We wanted to hold to, to under four points. He didn't score. Um, you know, we, had, we, had, we did so many things well defensively that it was uh, – and it just kind of got lost in the mix because of the explosion offensively, obviously. And, and that's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. But, uh, you know, it's just it's a credit to my guys, I guess, you know, like, you know, what, what I said to uh, what I said to a couple of uh, coaching friends of mine after that game was I, I know we were great offensively and you can't always rely on that. We didn't have to be. We, we, we could have been mediocre offensively those games and we could have won those games defensively. And that, I think, is something that was the mark of why we were successful last year, even more so than what we were doing offensively. Awesome. That's great. For sure. Well, um... Coach, thanks so much for coming on and, and chatting with us and, and honestly, just for being so open about it. You know, I think like we talked about a little before, you know, um, when you got an offense like you guys have had where there's a lot of interest and people are interested in finding out more, you know, some 
sometimes coaches will keep it closer to the vest. Um, but like you said, you're sharing the game and there's a lot, I mean, I've got a page and a half of notes here that I'm looking yeah. forward to go through. And so thank you just for, for coming on and being so open with us. That was really awesome. Of course. No, no, I appreciate it. For me, every time I get to talk about it, it's an opportunity to kind of learn and, and, you know, get better at teaching and, you know, be better for my guys, obviously. And, you know, if people want, I, I generally will throw clips up on social media also, like on Instagram and stuff that uh, people could find on there. And I'll kind of talk through what we're doing a little bit, not not the extent you guys do it at all. Um, but, uh, you know, just every so often I'll throw like a good clip up from something that we've done that I think, you know, shows a little bit, you know, about kind of what we're running and what we're doing so that people can kind of get it so that, you know, they can or you know, People are definitely yeah. free to reach out whenever they want. I'm happy to. If we had a if we had a law practice as well, we probably wouldn't be throwing as many clips up. Um, <laughs> so kudos to you for for doing that at the same time. Yeah, that's what late that's what late nights and weekends are for. <laughs> <laughs> so all right, well, well, coach, I think we'll end it here. And um, once cool. again, we will really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, coach. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it.